Hallelujah. Well, today we're going to look at uh, stewardship. I don't know if anybody's preached on that in this series or not, since I'm gone quite a bit of them, but um, some things that um, God has shown me about stewardship um, that I can share with you. You know, the Bible has more to say about uh, finances than it does to say about heaven, hell, even faith and prayer. It has more to say about finances than all those things. So it's an important uh, part of God's overall blessings for us. Amen? It's not the blessing. It's just one of them, the financial part of it. One thing that um, stewardship is not, it is, it is not, um, does not describe ownership. Uh, if you're a steward of something, that means that you're managing uh, someone else's stuff, their things. And uh, we all know that everything belongs to God, amen? amen? I mean, it does. He created everything. And uh, so you could be a steward of money. You know, we say it's our money, but it's actually his money. Um, we could be a steward of somebody's property. We could be a steward of inheritance, an inheritance that we receive. Or it could be spiritual things. Um, you know, God has given us many things. He's given us a measure of his faith. We're stewards of that. Um, you know, the spiritual gifts you all have sitting here have gifts. Uh, some of you have um, three, four of them. And it's not limited to one. And uh, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you by the Holy Spirit. And we're stewards of all those, those kinds of things. It could be God's love even. You know, it's been spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Uh, how do we steward his love? Do we love people enough to share the good news of the gospel with them? Or are we in a hurry to get to where we're going? You know, I wonder sometimes how many people I've walked by that I was supposed to witness to because I was in a hurry to get somewhere or do something, fulfill my agenda instead of God's. It could be natural gifts, like um, musicians that have giftings. Um, you know, you get better at it as you practice. It's just like if you're a shortstop, you might not be too good to first aid training camp, but by the time they're ready to play ball, you've been practicing, you're pretty good. You know, I have a son-in-law who's just good at, naturally good at fixing stuff. It doesn't seem to matter what it is. You hand it to him, and he'll figure out what to do to fix it. Um, these kinds of things. So we have to realize that God has given us the authority to steward what he's given us. And along with that authority also goes the responsibility to steward what he's given us. All these things that I've mentioned and, and other things. So we're going to look at stewardship today. So let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are a good God, that you are a God of abundance, um, that you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We thank you, Lord, that um, you've just provided everything we need, spiritually, physically, materially, Lord God, and uh, all because you love us. And you have some definite goals in mind for the things that you've given us. And so we're going to look at some of that today, Lord. And I just invite you now, Spirit of the living God, the one who inspired the Word of God, we invite you to come and minister life to us from the Word of God. Give something to this one, something to that one. Everyone will be able to glean something out of this simple message, Lord God. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor, Lord. Every ounce of it belongs to you. You are the owner of everything, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin in uh, James chapter 1, um, verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. Anything that you have that's good in your life has come from God. If you got a nice home, that came from God. If you got a new car, that came from God. 
He got a new suit that came from God. Anything that's good comes from him. God is the absolute source of everything. Hallelujah. There's another scripture. Um, this one doesn't seem like it fits too good, but it, it fit for me. It's Acts 17, 28. It says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. The reason I got that in there is because God has created everything. He's the owner. Amen? Amen. And uh, we are just stewards of all these things. And so when I think of that, you know, it's like it's in him we live and move and have our being. We get excited about those things like we do about our giving. Uh, you know, I've never been to another church, I get around some, that uh, claps when it's offering time. Most of them are trying to find a bathroom or something. You know what I'm saying? But it's a form of worship, amen? And we should be excited about giving. I wish we would be louder. I wish we would stand up and clap when it's offering time. Because you have guests that speaks to them. You know, we're worshiping God with our offerings. It's not just something that we do because uh, uh, it's not a legal thing that we do. We do it out of a joyful heart, amen, and out of love for God. And so uh, we need to express that, I feel, uh, in, in, uh, in, at the offering time. So why is stewardship so important? Um, we know God wants to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? We all agree on that. But because he is an abundant God that does above all that we ask or think, he wants us to have more than our needs met so that we can have uh, an abundance for every good work. And that's found in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Right after he tells us, uh, let me just read verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, not because it's a law, for God loves a cheerful giver, but because you want to. And he goes on in verse 8 and says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So God not only wants to just meet our need, he wants us to have an abundance for every good work. In other words, um, somebody has a need, a friend of yours, or somebody God puts on your heart, or somebody in the congregation, whatever the case might be, um, if they have a need, um, we would have the wherewithal to help them with that. And not just pray and say, I hope God supplies your need somewhere you know so he wants us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others and we just need to settle it in our hearts that he's the source of everything you know God uh, your job is not your source think about that for a minute your job is not your source God is your source he got you that job that you got it's a means for him to supply your need, but it's not your source. God is your source. Amen. Amen. We get we, we forget that sometimes um, in the scheme of things, and uh, you know we have this authority and responsibility to steward all these things that He's given us. The problem is we live in a fallen world, and in this world, the world does not care anything about stewarding stewardship to God. It could care less about God and his agenda. So um, we look at a scripture in 1 Timothy 6. <clears throat> verses 9 and 10. It says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, it says. So 
We understand that uh, money itself isn't evil, but it's the love of money that's evil. Amen? Amen? There's a big difference. Money should be your friend because um, it's used to help people, to meet your need, and there's a third reason we'll get to in a few minutes. But it's not something you want to fall in love with. Amen? But the world has this attitude of ownership. It's got this ownership mentality. It thinks that everything is mine. I worked hard for this for 20 years. This house is mine. I don't own a bank anything anymore. That kind of an attitude. I worked hard for this new car. This is mine. It's really not, but that's the attitude that the world has. Um, it says it has many sorrows, and that means grief. So the love of money will bring sorrow and grief to you. You know, you can have all the money in the world, but if, if you have sorrow and grief, you're not going to be able to enjoy it much. So, uh, you know, there's people that seem to have a lot um, I'm not saying this is across the board, but people that seem to have a lot, have been blessed by God in that area, always want more. And they'll squeeze a, squeeze a dollar so hard that it'll turn, bring tears to Washington's eyes. You know, it doesn't matter how much they get, they just want more. They may have millions of dollars, but they just want another million. And it's the love of money. And that just adds, that just goes to sorrow. So we don't want to get there. Um, but God is not opposed to you having money. He's opposed to you getting into this kind of a situation with the money. And a, a lot of people can't handle a lot of money. And you've probably heard this in one of the other sermons. You know, God's not opposed to you having money, but he's opposed to money having you. You know, it gets a hold of you and you just want more and more. You're squeezing that dollar. And that's... Uh, you know, it becomes a God. Um, one of God's names is Yahweh Jireh. It means the Lord will provide. Better known to us Gentiles as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Another one of his names is El Shaddai. means Almighty God. He's El Shaddai. He's Almighty God. He's not El Chipo, the God that's trying to duke you out of something. And that's what the world thinks. You know, they think everybody's just after their money. It's not their money. It's his. We just steward it. <laughs> you know. So there's a scripture that kind of sets this straight in uh, Proverbs 10, 22. Let me read that to you. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. He adds no sorrow with it. Not quite contrary to the First Timothy scripture, um, where it was talking about um, adds many sorrows. When you go after the money with love for money, it'll add many sorrows. But if you're doing things God's way, um, uh, stewarding his money the way he wants you to, um, it says right here, and he adds no sorrow with it. That means he adds no painful toil to it. That's good news, amen? And we know that finances are just a small part of God's blessings for us. You know, he's done so many things for us. He basically emptied heaven for us. He gave us um, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He was born of the Virgin Mary lived a perfect life, never sinned one time, died on the cross to pay the debt for our sins, the sins of the world, and rose again in power at the right hand of the Father, and then gave that power to us by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That doesn't stop there. And we have his word. His word is a blueprint for life. I mean... If we just do what it says in here, everything will be all right. In all our material possessions, he spread his love abroad in our hearts. He's given us a measure of his very own faith. Think about that. 
These are, this, this stuff is worth a lot more than money. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Just one of those things is worth more than all the money in the world. Our part is just to be the best steward of those, the things that God has blessed us with and provided us with, whatever that might be. Now, some people are blessed more than others in the area of finances. I, uh, we have a member of our family who is very wealthy, and, and they're very strong Christians. And the more they give away, the more they give, the wealthier they get. You just can't outgive God. Uh, our whole family is in that way, but one, one of our children is. And uh, just got another promotion recently. In fact, he's come flying in today, and I've got to go to the airport and get him after a while. So, um, you know, those kids just, I'd be afraid to say what they're worth. I have no idea. It's, he doesn't have to worry, let's put it that way. So we know that God wants to meet all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We, we get that. We know that he wants, uh, from the Second Corinthians scripture 9-8, we know that he wants us to have more than just what we need to get by to help others when we see another need. But there's a third reason that God would like to bless us and prosper us, and uh, we need to steward that as well. And that's found in Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which is sworn in your fathers as it is this day. So God gives us the power to get wealth. What that means is that he gives us the strength, the capacity, the means to get wealth. And it could be your job, it could be that combined with an inheritance, it could be all kinds of things. Uh, maybe you'll invent something. Maybe you'll uh, be a famous author like Tom Kreuter and have buku money coming rolling in from book sales. <laughs> so, you know, there's all kinds of ways that God can do this. He's not... He, He's very unlimited and very versatile. So he wants to meet all of our needs, and then he wants us to have more than enough so we can help other people. And then he wants, us to, he wants to establish his covenant in the earth. And that one costs a bunch of money, establishing his covenant. Hallelujah. So he's given us the means to do this. To establish his covenant means he wants it to rise up in the earth. He wants to make his covenant good in the earth. He wants to confirm it in the earth. That's what that's talking about there. Though finances are just a small part of God's blessings, as we said, it is an important part. You know, that's the commerce we live in nowadays. And we're probably headed to a cashless society. Who knows what that means in a one world order and all that stuff is uh, going to happen eventually. But it takes a lot of money to establish his covenant in the earth and advance his kingdom. Uh, some big ministries will spend uh, millions of dollars a year um, doing that. Some smaller ministries like ours, for example, spend thousands of dollars a year trying to do the same thing. You can only do what you have means to do. And so these bigger ministries... Um, just seem to continue, if they're doing things according to God's word and his will, they just continue to expand. And they give away a lot of money, do a lot of good things. And they just can't seem to uh, keep getting bigger because you can't outgive God. And so at our level, um, you know, we, we're in the thousands uh, area. We don't have millions to give away, but we have thousands to do things with. And, um, you know, it can take a lot of money to, to spread the good news of the gospel. So let's take a look at uh, a bad steward um, in Luke, uh, 
9, I mean Luke 16, I'm sorry. And go down through here and see if we can learn some lessons from this unworthy steward, this unjust steward, as he's called in the Bible. Um, there's bound to be some revelation in there for us. Amen. So Luke chapter 16, what we're going to do is just read a verse or two, and I'm going to try to unpack it, like they say, and just um, give you a few things that I believe the Lord has said to me. I've had a lot of time to muse over this message, so um, you know I have some revelation to share with you. <clears throat> verse 1, Luke 16, 1. He also said to his disciples, Jesus is speaking here, there was a certain man who had a steward and access, um, an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he was cheating his master. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. So he's gonna get rid of this guy. He says, give an account of your stewardship. And you and I will one day have to give an account of our stewardship. Amen? You know, how, how did we steward um, the funds that God put in our hands? How did we steward his love? How did we steward the measure of faith that he gave us? All of these kinds of things. We're stewards of everything. Because he put us in charge. He gave us dominion over the earth. And that's why it's in such a mess. It's not God's fault. He put us in charge. And we messed everything up. So verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me, and I cannot dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So this guy's pretty shrewd. Um, he was still in charge. He hadn't lost his authority yet as his steward. So the unjust steward tried to provide for his future after um, finding out he was losing the stewardship. And the scripture that really trips my trigger is verse 8. So the master, knowing that this guy was cheating him, the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. So he's cheating this guy, and the guy commended him for cheating him. Um, not for cheating him, but for being wise, for trying to look out for his future. And then verse 9, which is kind of hard to understand. And I say to you, make friends of yourself by unrighteous mammon that when you fall, they may receive you into an everlasting home. And uh, I had a lot of trouble with that verse and meditated on it for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's just saying to uh, use your money wisely. Um, you know, help people with it. And if your money would fail, you'd have somebody to take care of you because you've helped this one and you've helped that one and you've helped that one over there and you've helped that one in another state and so forth. And they find out your situation. If it, if it fails, you'll have somebody to care for you. Uh, and that's what some of the commentaries say. But I wasn't satisfied with that. And uh, I just spent quite a bit of time meditating on the word. You know, reading it is one thing, but meditating on it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to reveal things to you. And uh, I do precious little meditating. Uh, I need to do much more, and I think that's pretty widespread in the body of Christ. Uh, 
A lot of people read the word, but they don't spend any time meditating on it. And I'm just going to share with you, you can do with this whatever you want. But this is what I felt like the Lord uh, was sharing to me after meditating on this verse 9 quite a bit. I wrote it down word for word. Um, uh, he says that um, stewardship is a valid test of your relationship with me. In other words, if we're stewarding our finances the way in a godly manner, it's a valid test of our relationship with him is what he's saying. And, uh, you know, that's what I believe that he was saying to me. So we need to be faithful stewards with God's money because if we are, we'll not only have our need met, but we'll be helping others and we'll be giving money into the kingdom for the establishing of his uh, covenant in the earth. Amen? Pretty quiet in here. Amen? Yeah. You know, money is a subject nobody likes to talk about too much, but it's so important. There's, there's so much to be said about it in, in, in the Bible. And, uh, you know, God is not trying to get something from us. He's trying to put us in position so that he can be a blessing to us. That's what it's all about. And it's just, you know, uh, one of those things that we look at sometimes the way the world looks at it. Let's go on to verse 10. He was faithful. Jesus is speaking in all these verses. He was faithful in the least. And we're still talking about mammon, unrighteous mammon, which is money. He was faithful in what is least. In other words, he's talking about the money. He was faithful also in much. It's a, you know, we've got it divided up into verses, but this was just all one thing at one time. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So money is a starting point. In other words, it's, it's least. That's, if we're going to exercise our faith, um, you know, and become faith giants, uh, starting with finances is where you start. It's the least thing. Uh, right after salvation. Money's a starting point. Verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Wow. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? That's a powerful statement. In other words, if I can't trust God with my finances in that area, how can God trust me as a steward of the true riches? What would the true riches be? The true riches would be the measure of faith that he gave me. The true riches would be the love of God that's been spread abroad in my heart. The true riches would be his holy word. The true riches would be resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in each one of us. All those things, just one of them is worth more than all the money that you can conjure up. Those are the true riches. So how can he trust us with his faith, his love, and his power if we're not even uh, trusting him with our dollars? Trusting God in the area of finances, I believe, is a, a key to greater things. You know, if we're good stewards of his money in our lives, I think it's a key to greater things. Then he knows he can trust because it's least. Then he knows he can trust me uh, with some of his power. And he knows he can trust me with some of his love to be a good steward of that. You know, and we're all growing in these things. Nobody's arrived anywhere. Everybody's somewhere in a growth process. We're all his children. Amen? Amen? Amen. Aren't we his children? Amen. And so, you know, we're all growing. It's not that we're, 
were there. I'm just pointing out some things that, um, you know, this, this could be a revelation to somebody. If you just will trust God with your dollars, there ain't no telling what He'll do with you. You know, your ministry might explode. Hallelujah. You know, uh, there's a big TV minister that I won't name that was at a meeting one time. Um, it's a multi-million dollar ministry. Been around for years and years. And this missionary uh, was there. And uh, he had a word for the missionary that God was going to supply the need. Um, they had some kind of a need. Uh, it was a big need. It would take a million dollars to meet that need. And he had a word for this person, picked him out of the audience, told him that God was going to supply the need. And then after the meeting, he went up to the person and asked him what the need was. Because he felt like God was saying that he was supposed to help meet that need. And the missionary wouldn't tell him. He says, if God wants you to help me to take care of this, he'll tell you what it is. So he went on back to his headquarters and uh, prayed about it. And the Lord told him to give that missionary a million dollars. So he, he got up, and uh, this is a multi-million dollar ministry, and told his secretary, write a check to a million, million dollars to whatever her name, this missionary's name was. Wouldn't that be nice to be able to write checks for a million dollars? But see, these guys um, just give away multitudes of money as God directs. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And some of them that have, uh, as you know, some of these guys that have been on TV and stuff, got into the love of money and they're no longer around. Amen? That, you know, God can raise you up when you do things his way, you, you get God's results. But if you don't do them his way, he can cut the legs off of money pretty quick. So we need to be doing things uh, God's way, stewardship. Um, <clears throat> so using God's uh, faith for finances, I think, is the first step in our faith walk with him after we're saved. It's just learning to do that. But some of us never do learn to do that. Um, and we haven't done what is least. Uh, we won't be able to do greater things. One of the things that happens um, is this. Um, people tend to, just because it's human nature, not because they're bad, just because we're humans, we tend to trust our job as our source. And we have to quit looking at that as our source and look at it as our means, God's means. And so we're trusting our job as our source, and then we want to trust God for everything else. When he says trusting us in the area of finances is the least, you know, if we would do that, just do that, then these other things would fall into place. Um, you know, there's a scripture in Matthew 6.33. It's not on your notes, but it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, all the things that the people of the world work two, three jobs to try to acquire in their lifetime and build up and say, look what I got, boats and cars and houses and all that stuff. Um, you know, this, these kinds of things will be added unto you if you have a need for them, if you have a desire for them, if you just put him first. One of the ways we put him first is to do things his way. And doing things his way is to trust him for our finances. Hallelujah. Um, God wants to be involved in every area of your life and my life. So we need to be good stewards of the least so that God can trust us with the real riches. Hallelujah. Now, he doesn't want our tithes and offerings because he's on the brink of bankruptcy. Okay. That's not the reason. Our tithes and offerings are designed to help establish his covenant, to run the things of the church, 
all that kind of a thing. And so it's very important that we, we do that with joy. If you don't give with joy, there's no reward. We don't give to get a reward, but it's a byproduct of giving. It just is. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. That principle works whether you're in the church or not. Sowing and reaping. Um, it, it's just a biblical principle. They work for everybody. So he doesn't want our tithes and offerings because he's going to be bankrupt next week. God wants us to learn to trust him with all of our heart. We were singing about that earlier. Trust him with all of our heart. Finances is just at least the first step in that direction. God always has our best interests at heart. And there's a great uh, story in 1 Kings 17. And I want to read that to you. And so the widow, Elijah and the widow. And you know the story, God told Elijah to go to uh, Zareth. Um, and he was going to take care of him there. So verse 10, so he rose and went to Zareth. And when he had come to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, and make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, afterwards make some for yourself and your son. So, she's down to her, her last meal. Now, we could go tell you this all, but you know the story, there was the famine in the land. This is a very good example of God supplying. He's down to her very last meal for her son. And along comes the prophet of God. And he says, get me a drink of water. So she goes to get him a drink of water. That's not going to cost her anything. Then he says, make me a cake. She says, all I got is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. It's like, you want me to, that's my last meal for me and my son. And then we're going to starve. You want me to give that to you? I'm just putting words in here. What was Elijah thinking? Asking this poor widow woman who has nothing but a handful of flour and a little bit of oil to bake him a cake. Elijah wasn't trying to take from her. Elijah was giving her an opportunity to position herself for God's blessings. He was giving her an opportunity to position herself for God's blessings. Hallelujah. By being obedient. So we have to be obedient with our finances. I could tell you a story. I got too many stories about one time when I was not obedient. I mean, you just don't want to be there at all. And then a couple times after that, when I had opportunities in different parts of the country to be obedient, and I was, being obedient is much better. <laughs> I got a pretty good offering in a church in Wisconsin, and they were doing some kind of outreach in uh, New Mexico or somewhere. And this is six months after the occasion when I was disobedient. And God says, give that money to their outreach. They need it for their outreach. So I signed it back at a check and gave it back to the pastor. I says, here, use this for your outreach. And he says, are you sure? He says, how are you going to get home? I said, I got a thumb. I can get home. No problem. I says, that's not your problem. That's God's problem. He brought me here. He'll get me home. I had just such joy. 
when you can do stuff like that instead of holding on to that, squeezing that thing, you know. And there's a couple other occasions where that happened. But I passed that test and I passed another one and now I haven't been tested in an area in a long time. But I've been tested in the area of believing God with finances concerning, that's how the Bible school was built overseas. You know, I don't have any money for that thing. We had to build a building to get started and, and, and put in a sewer system and stuff like that. I just had to believe God for the down payment for the land even. I didn't have the money for that. So it was one thing at a time. God supplied, I, what do you want me to do? Write a letter to everybody I know? You know, I'm praying about what to do. Put it in a newsletter. And he gives me five names of people that have means that, are, that I know could afford to do this. And so I prayed about those five names and one name stood out. And so I called that person up and I told him what the deal was. He says, funny you should call. We have like $8,000 that we we're gonna put into the kingdom. We didn't know where to put it for sure. And he says, when do you want it? I says, well, we gotta survey the land and we gotta make sure that there's no taxes, back due taxes and all these kind of things. So just hang on to it and I'll call you Okay, he says. So two weeks went by and we got everything checked out good for the land that we bought. So I call him up again. I says, um, well, I'm ready for that money now that you wanted to give me that $8,000 that you mentioned from our last phone call. Well, he says, we've been going over our finances and uh, we're not going to give you that $8,000. But you dummy, why didn't you take the money when he offered it to you two weeks before that? He says, we actually have a little more money than that available. And uh, he says, we just decided um, we have $13,000 available and we're just gonna donate that to you. <laughs> so instead of kicking myself, I'm clapping on the inside. So instead of $8,000, I got $13,000. $10,000 was a down payment on the land and 3,000 we put in the septic system. That was the first thing. And then the next building just went on and on like that each time. And now we have over $100,000 invested over there and we're still doing improvements and we have another building to build yet in the future. But that's how it works. You just have to believe him for that first and then other things start happening. Um, I think it's one of the keys not the key, but one of the keys um, to true riches of God. So Elijah was just trying to uh, get her in position, um, and she was obedient to God. And the good news is that the widow, uh, her son, and Elijah were fed off of a handful of flour and a little bit of oil supernaturally by God for three whole years. Three years. Very, very amazing. Nothing is impossible to God, amen? amen? I mean, he can build a Bible school when you don't have a penny. It's just, um, he's just a good God. Hallelujah. So you guys are gonna, this is the first closing now. You guys are gonna be the third closing, so don't go away. Because you're gonna finish the sermon today. Um, and, Luke 6.33, somebody's probably used this before too. This is the bottom line. Luke 6.33. Jesus is speaking. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now that that could be money, but it could be giftings, it could be talents, it could be time. Whatever it is that you give, whatever measure that you give it in, it'll be measured back to you. So we receive in the same measure that we give joyfully. So if you're a person that's having trouble financially, give more. 
That sounds backwards. You know, the, the, the Word of God doesn't always make sense to our carnal mind, but it makes faith. If you're having trouble financially, give more. Joyfully, but you have to give it joyfully. Now, our motive for giving, as you know, is love. Love for God to establish his covenant in the earth, to advance his kingdom. But it's not wrong, it's not wrong to expect a return. Some people have taught that it is, but uh, I don't see that. If you, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. If you plant an acre of corn, the seeds that God gave you, the seeds are even his, you're going to expect to harvest the corn. No farmer plants without not expecting a harvest. If you, <clears throat> if you plant a garden and you have radishes in there and peas in there and green beans in there and, and uh, zucchini and all this good stuff, if you have that in your garden, you're ex when you plant that, you're expecting to get a return on it. Amen? Nobody plants without expecting to get, and we don't plant for the reason of getting a return. We plant because we love God and we want to see uh, his uh, covenant established in the earth. But it's a byproduct of giving. You can't get away from it. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. If you sow, you're going to reap. And the more you sow, the more you reap. The more corn I sold, you know, if I sow one acre, I'm going to get an acre of harvest. If I sow two acres, I'm going to get twice as much. So the more you sow, the more you're going to reap. So in closing, the second closing now, everything belongs to God. He's the owner of everything. We all know that, even the seed. And we are simply stewards of everything he's given us, whether it be material blessings or spiritual blessings, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, our, the money that we have, the jobs that we have, the gifts that we have, the faith that we have. We're stewards of everything. His love, his power, all of that. And God wants us to trust him um, with our whole heart. And finances is a place where we start. It's the least of these. And I think um, if we trust him with our finances to give as he directs, um, um, we'll be blessed. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing, not so that we can acquire things. Um, it's okay to have those things, but they just can't have you. So we want to uh, give to establish his covenant and advance his kingdom. Um, the world lives to get. How much can I get? How much can I acquire? As Christians, we need to live to give. Amen? That was a pretty weak amen. We need to live to give, amen? Amen. That's ah, better. Hallelujah. Now, for the third closing, uh, just let me say this is one of the things that God was really speaking to me through this message. Um, was if we trust him, uh, stewardship with our finances. Um, this is what he was saying to me, that it's a key to greater things, a key to true riches. You know, a simple thing like trusting him with our dollars is the key to true riches, things that are worth much more than money, much more than money. That was a big thing that I got out of this for me. Uh, <clears throat> what I believe that God wants to do now is I believe he wants you to testify. I'll, I'll give one, a short one first. And then, uh, so we're still preaching a sermon. You're going to be doing a, the last part of it. Um, since we've been here, uh, 1982, we've been down to our last dollar twice, two times. And both times, it was a time of giving. We had us give and give and give until there was no more. <laughs> and both times, God came through. And, you know, I could go into more detail, but I don't want to take time. I want to hear from you. And so all of us have testimonies of how God has brought us through a tough time or how, how he supplied our need. And uh, 
when we testify of these things, it builds the other people's faith who may be in a similar position now in their life and are looking for answers. So who has a testimony they'd like to share? I know you all have one, but who would be willing to share it? Here comes a young lady right here. Praise the Lord. I was tested like Warren, and I had to give a couple of checks a couple of times that were way more than I would ever think to give. But I, I just said, you know, he's right. Like you said, it's not mine anyway. You know, it comes, it goes. So I wrote the checks, and then it was time. Then, then I was called to Nigeria, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, this trip is going to cost a lot of money. And I'd, I'd been to Jamaica, and it's not so much to go there. And it's still, you still pray, and it's, you know, the money comes in, it kind of trickled in. Well, so here I was going to go to Nigeria, and it was going to be like $4,500. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this, this is big time. I could not believe how fast, I think it was less than two weeks, how fast money came in. I, for the first time in my life, I got a $1,000 check from somebody. I'm like, no way. I couldn't believe it. I kept looking at it. I'm like, this can't be right. And then, like a week later, I got another one. I couldn't. I was just like, all right. And then I got a $500 check. I got several $200 checks. I'm like, the money just came. It just came in so fast. I couldn't. I kept telling everybody, I've never seen money come so fast. Like, really, it was like two weeks, two weeks, maybe three. I had all the money in. I'm just, I was flabbergasted, totally, totally. So he can do it. He can do it. It was a, it was a while back when I had given those big, big amounts. But at the time, it was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, thank you, Jesus. You're the provider. And he was. He just, he just, over, he just, I was overwhelmed. He just astounded me with his goodness. So let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who's next? Right here. Come on, Steve. Well, um, yeah, God's provision is a testimony throughout our whole married life for, for Kathy and me, and I probably told you these things before. But uh, when we were leaving, getting ready to leave China five years ago, and God was um, challenging us to, we were looking for direction, and he was leading us to take the take the path that did not have guaranteed salary, and uh, you know what that path was. And uh, <laughs> but at the same time, he put on our hearts to give a substantial amount of money to two people: one who was a friend in China, and another uh, people we knew here in America. And so we did. And then shortly after that, it was like the week before we were leaving China, like people started walking up to our door and handing us cash, right? Uh, I would say at least three sources, large amounts of, of cash, and it ended up being at least twice as much or more than we had given. Wow. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give God a praise. Hallelujah. Who's going to be next? Okay, stay right there. I'll bring it to you. Well, uh, this is a little bit different, but we had a, I had a bill left over from my uh, hospital, a substantial bill for me from the hospital at the time I spent in uh, Peoria. And... Um, it was coming up to the final due date or else. And I said, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this. And so we applied for financial aid through the hospital in Peoria. And um, we didn't have money coming in, but they paid that whole bill through this financial aid rather than me having to pay out thousands of dollars. Um, so I'm just thanking the Lord for that right now and going to do a few things for people that... Um, I wouldn't have been able to do before. So I praise him for that. Hallelujah. I think any missionary you talk to depends on the Lord for taking care of. 
And in all the 12 years in Africa and 10 years in Venezuela, God has given us holy health. He has given us a car and a boat when we had need of it. And in Africa, I was in an accident. I parked the car and they had these big wagons that they had piled up with tons of sugar. And they lost, the brakes didn't hold on it, and they lost uh, the wagon. They jumped off and the wagon came and went into the hind of our car. And I was so shocked, it just knocked my children to the floor in the back seat, but no harm. And when we looked in the back of that vehicle, it passed by all the major things that would have caused an explosion. God takes care of us. Amen. Financially, physically, whatever you want to say. If you give your heart to the Lord and just be obedient to what he calls you to do, he's going to take care of you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give God a hand for that. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I want to share something that's been on my heart many years. It's been something that uh, the Lord put up my heart a long time ago from the book of Habakkuk. It says, the just shall live by faith. And it was at a time when he was speaking to me about going in the mission field where I went for six years into the Philippines. And uh, very often, um, you know, people would ask me, well, what do you need? I said, I need a lot of prayer. They said, oh, I can do that. That means, oh, that means I don't have to give you any money. <laughs> and believe me, they kept to that thought. And, you know, there's times when, when uh, after I came back from the Philippines with a wife and a daughter at the time, and we were just getting started, and I had just gotten enough to start paying rent on an apartment, and I still needed a job, and jobs weren't easy to come by. I needed 150 bucks, and I said, Lord, you know, you know what this need is, and I'm gonna believe you for that. And myself, when I pray for something like that, I don't go around advertising it to people, you know? I just keep it to myself. Well, a friend of mine came over, and he, he uh, asked me if, he'd, if I'd go with him to a, this friend of his, and um, so he, I could talk to him or something, you know, like he's just opening up a, a small business and, you know, if I could help him, maybe pray for him and stuff like that. I said, sure, and I went along with him. And when I got in the door, you know, um, we were introduced and this guy looked at me and says, hey, could you use 150 bucks? I said, yeah. <laughs> So he took out his wallet, and that's all he had in his wallet was 150 bucks. See, sometimes you give, and you don't worry about what you got. The only time I ever worried about what I didn't have was when I was reading from the Word, and it said, cast your bread upon the water, and after many days it will return to you. You know, and I was kind of at that point where I believed that I should actually do exactly what the word said. I went to the bread pantry and there was nothing there. I said, now what? <laughs> but you, you get the idea. Sometimes uh, it comes slowly. My daughter asked me if, uh, you know, if she should only pay 10% of her, her income. She says, because I want to pay more. I said, what do you believe the Lord's speaking to you? She says, I think I should be paying twice that much. And I said, then why are you asking my advice? And that's what she did. You know, she decided to do twice that much. And 
I don't know where she gave it, if she gave it here or gave it there or what, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, is uh, she she's had a lot of things that are just jumping off the pages of her Bible from for her. And one of the last things that said this, and I think this has a lot to do too with the, what was being shared today. You know, uh, Jesus said, anybody who loves his mother, his father, his sons, his daughters, even his own life more than me is not worthy of me. And, you know, she said, Dad, that's really a rough thing to do. I said, but read the next verse. It says you will pick up your cross and carry it. <laughs> now, think about who carried a cross and was that hard? There are some things that are hard in the Bible. And you know, sometimes even when you're a seasoned Christian, you find them hard. But the Word tells us that we should write it down upon tables. Well, I actually write it on a tablet. And, um, you know, wait for it because it will surely speak. And when it does, it won't lie. It won't tarry. But, you know, there's times when the Lord speaks something to us, we just store it away in our heart and wait for the next bit of instruction because He's preparing us for something. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, <clears throat> this seems like a small thing, but... Shirley came in the other day and she said, the tire pressure light is on in the van. And I thought, oh boy. So, took the uh, van out to uh, Kennedy Tire and uh, had him check it. And the guy came in and uh, he knows me and he said he couldn't find anything wrong. He took the tires off, cleaned it down to the rim, resealed them, put the tires back on. He said, you should be okay. How much do I owe you? Nothing. Hey, God takes care of us even in the small things, and we give Him praise for even the small things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Amen? Doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a small thing. Anybody else? Otherwise, we'll worship God. Hallelujah. Well, I just really appreciate God's faithfulness because, I mean, who can ever give enough to give to God what you, what you need? I mean, he's just so generous. But the, the first time after... Um, I was a relatively new Christian, and um, John had had a job, but he it was one of the times that he had lost it. And, you know, he's such a good provider that he took a job for a garbage department. And at that time, Ben was uh, young. And during the summer in Montana, we just never wore shoes, and I didn't need shoes for him, but it was getting to be cooler weather and he needed shoes, and I'm looking at our budget and thinking, hmm. Um, but anyway, um, I just said, you know, John, Ben really does need shoes. And there was a brand new pair of shoes sitting on top of the lid of a garbage can with the tags on it in the right size. So that night when he came home from work, he had tennis shoes for Ben that were just the right size for his feet. And, you know, I don't know if an angel put it there. I just have no idea. But that has been such an impact on me that when you love the Lord with all of your life, if he can bring a pair of shoes, he certainly can take care of the rest. So. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Um, as you know, I'm a tool guy. 
and I got tools all over my garage, and the more I give away, the more God gives back. <laughs> I give things to everybody, and all of a sudden, tools show up, and I tell Jerry, well, they're just here for a while. They're going to be going out. Somebody needs them, and usually it is. Well, I could go on and on about all that has uh, financial ways God has dealt with this with the kidney issue. Tom's insurance has been wonderful. And uh, I'm on Medicare now. And I'm still trying to figure that one out. But the other day, well, it's been about a month ago, I do blood tests about every two weeks. And they found I had a virus. And it's called the BK virus. Well, one of the medications I was on was $600 every 90 days. Well, when you have the VK virus, you cannot be on this medication because it will destroy the kidney. So I got sick. I'm not sick with it. It's just there. And now I'm off this very expensive medication. One way God has provided. And the last blood test I had, the um, number of replications that they uh, count this virus with had gone down by two-thirds. So rather than 1,800, it's like 300. So how far down it'll go, I don't know. Anyway, that's one provision. Uh, yeah. uh, worship, worship team can come now. And um, is there any other ones before we begin to worship the Lord? Uh, yeah, we our air conditioner died. Uh, we thought um, one of the days when it was really really hot, and um, so we had. Um, I called Bill Connie. He came over and looked at it and couldn't find anything wrong with it. It wouldn't start. It would, the fan would go even outside, but the compressor wasn't kicking in. And so, uh, you know, I just prayed about it. And uh, he couldn't find anything wrong with it. So we turned the thermostat on and it just started working. It's still working. <laughs> no idea what, what was wrong with it or anything. Um, it just it got too hot or something. There'd been some mice inside the cabinet where the compressor is, but you know all the wires were hooked up and everything. Should have worked. So anyway. But anyway, um, what did he do? Can you ask him how much I Yeah, he wouldn't take any money. Try to pay him, and he says, uh, "No, I don't want any, want any money." I says, "I says, well, you can't make a living that way." He says, "Well, this is my choice." I'm not going to charge you anything. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I mean, you get an air conditioning service call. I don't know what they are nowadays, but probably $100 or 75 or something like that. So, anyway, um, is as we begin to worship the Lord uh, and thank Him for all these testimonies we've heard, and there's many more. You know, we all could be here all day talking about the things that God has done for us. <laughs> 